Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it, and the times we've used it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Russell Harvey is the resilience coach. He is a leadership coach and facilitator, public speaker, managing director, podcaster and radio host with over 20 years experience in learning, leadership and organisational development. Russell has specialised in resilience for the past 18 years. His areas of specialisation also include how we cope in our modern world of uncertainty and ambiguity, executive coaching and leadership development, talent management and career coaching. He's worked for a wide range of clients, including the NHS, BT, the Cooperative Group and many more. He runs a resilience programme, which he states will allow you to recharge and recuperate in order that you can face your challenges. Welcome to the podcast, Russell. Thank you, Jen. Just good. <laughs> you listen to these introductions and you sort of go... Wow, there's a long list there of like, things that I do. That's, 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 that's the real you know. short version. I had to cut loads out. It sounds like this is something that you've been involved in and interested in for so much longer than me. And I'm really, really excited to pick your knowledge on this subject. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm very happy to uh, have my brain picked. And, and <laughs> when so, yeah, when uh, did the word resilience get... kind of appear in your, in your resume? Yeah, so um, my last permanent role was at the co-op group, which you mentioned in the introduction. So whole career in learning, leadership, organisational development. So always, I think since a little child, I was interested in just human behaviour. Why, why do we do things we do? Why don't we do certain things? How, can, why, how do we work? Why do we do that? It's always fascinated me, um, which led to the career now. And then the resilience piece came up uh, during my time at co-op. Um, so not long after I joined the, the whole massive business, which has been around for 185 years and is longer now, what's there? Got into a pickle. <laughs> Nothing to do with me. It just got into a very, very seriously dangerous situation with its finances. And all of my clients uh, were sort of the internal leadership teams, not all of them, certain functions. And literally everybody came to me with their head in their hands and went, Russell, what, what the hell's going on? What do we do? And I said, well, there's this word called resilience and this is a lovely acronym called VUCA. And I just went, how we deal with this, how we face into this, how we come out the other side, how we potentially stop ourselves running around like headless chickens is got something to do with VUCA and resilience, you know? Uh, and, and it went from there, essentially. Um, and, and it's things I talk about on a daily basis, essentially. Uh, all the resilience and VUCA piece. And VUCA isn't something that I've um, talked about before. So I'm really interested to see mm. where that fits in. But in terms of resilience, what's that mean for you? So I do always give the definition around, for me, resilience is springing forward with learning. That's what, if anybody ever asks me, so what's this resilience thing? I say, think about it like this. And this applies to everybody. Yes, I'm a leadership coach, but everything I'm talking about today just applies to every human being on the planet, you know, in some way, shape or form. So spring forward with learning. We do talk about this word of bouncing back to do with resilience. And I'm just personally not a fan of it, essentially, because life happens to us. 
um we sort of a situation happens it could be good it could be not so good it could be really awful and we face into it and then if we say to ourselves right i'll now go back bounce back i'm going "Eh, hmm, hang on a minute wait whoa you can't go back Mm. stop you know so to be able to spring forward with learning from all of life's experiences rather the good ones or not the not so good ones you need to pause and you need to reflect about actually what are the things that i was doing recently that really worked well for me start with the good even the challenging times what worked well for me in supporting me and actually what do i want to leave behind what do i want to stop doing because it wasn't useful it was pointless it was ridiculous you know so you've got to do reflections and in your reflections at the same time we must find ways to re-energize recuperate you know loads of words beginning with our revivify ourselves you know <laughs> any word that you can think of um and, and so that that's the art it's easier said than done but when you do when you do that when you make the choice so i say to a lot of clients right you know when you decide to be more selfful, which is to look after yourself first in order that you can look after others, support others, be well, be a good friend, be a good leader. Uh, how will your life be better? Is the question I ask a lot of clients, you know, what will you have more of and what will you have less of in a in a good way? Um, and so um, we have to make the choice to re-energize from all of life's experiences. So even if you've had a really great weekend where um we've been playing to our strengths or a great day at work where well, there's loads of things that we've done we have enjoyed doing we are nice tired but you also need to re-energize from nice tired um and obviously we talk about resilience too much in the sense of we only will think about resilience when we've had a negative awful terrible experience so i have done you know series of blogs recently around proactive resilience so it's like you make the choice to be selfful, to work on your resilience wheel, which we will talk about today, uh, in a way that works for you on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. How will your life be better when you choose to be proactive around your resilience? There's so much in there. Thank you, Russell. I also, I mean, one of the things that kind of pausing and reflecting about what what's what's gone well and what hasn't gone well. Do you, I feel like I sometimes don't get really have space for that or I don't prioritise space for that. Is that something that you come across in your work that actually we're not great at pausing, stopping, not being productive in that general sense that we've got used to and actually taking the time for this? And and what does that look like? Are we talking about journaling or talking to a coach? What works? So answer for your question, first question. Unfortunately, we're terrible at pausing. <laughs> okay, not just me. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sweeping generalization of people on the planet. Because it, so the pandemic was really fascinating for me about in a brilliant sense, um the word resilience was talked about a lot more. Well, it was a case of not in the way that I and many others were wanting us to talk about resilience, because it's like, it's all really awful. You just need to be resilient. And that's not what we mean. That's like unpleasant, you know, that sort of when resilience becomes a dirty word, mm-hmm. essentially. And so, yeah, you do the vast majority of the time um, when I engage with clients is because they've got to a burnout point or they've got to a point of like things aren't quite right. You know, or somebody's been saying to me for some time, 
I think you need to talk to somebody or I think you need a coach or I think you need to pause or I think you need to take a step back, you know, or you need to look after yourself a bit more. Um, and it's in those that it has to become the habit, the choice to get off the hamster wheel, to make it part of your daily routines, to do something around your resilience. And it is all things to do with the resilience wheel. So there's seven aspects of the wheel. So somewhere in there it could be journaling. But it's it's choosing to work upon different aspects of the wheel. That's how you do it, essentially. And we can talk about those in a, in a second or, or right now, uh, if you want to. Yeah, no, right now you've brought that up. So you, what's this resilience wheel that, that you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, so it's, um, it's on the website. You just go on the website and there's an about resilience section and there's a, you know, a wheel on there. So it's a build upon all of the research from Robertson Cooper. Kerry Cooper and I've completely forgotten first name to the one, uh, but Robertson the one. Cooper. Yeah, <laughs> you might not one. be born in Leeds, yeah. but you sound like you've lived there a while. <laughs> I know, absolutely, yes. Um, and so they they did a load of research, put it into the world for free, so it's theirs, and it's just, so it's their work, and I've just added to it mm. essentially. So um, when anybody ever asked me the question, Silverson, how do I build my resilience? <laughs> my answer is there's this wheel thingy when you choose to do something with your wheel play around with it and they're all interconnected then you will start to build your resilience and face into life differently so at the heart of resilience is your attitude then you've got purpose so it's like have we got one and my purpose is here by the 20 by the year 2025 i want to positively affect 100,000 people and right now i'm up to about 43,000 502-ish. It doesn't have to be as big as that, but have you got purpose? Then it's absolutely about confidence. So there's a lot. How do you build a confidence? Then there is the lovely word of adaptability that gets thrown around a huge amount, openness to change. Then is your support network. Then there's this word meaning, which is about the meaning we attach to events, the stories we tell ourselves about life's experiences. What we you know, how do we do that? And then there's this word energy which in a work sense is, are you playing to your strengths, the things that you naturally are good at and in life? And that's also about where more of the well-being things go, about diet and exercise. I'm not a specialist on it, you know. I'm hiding my, you know, beer belly right now, <laughs> essentially. I'm not brilliant at that. I try. Um, so that that's it. So there's seven aspects. So um, as we talk more today and on the resilience program that I do, we we go through the wheel and go, right, let's just do some self-assessment. And there can be some questionnaires as well to go, actually, where are you on these different places? You know, score yourself out of 10, 10's high, 1's low. Start with the good and then start to play around with the other bits of the wheel. And then you'll absolutely build up your resilience reservoir. So then you'll get into this lovely place that we call thrive rather than just coping and surviving. Because too often we say, ah, oh, I'm literally, it's all a bit horrible. I'm surviving, I'm being resilient. And I get it, I understand it. I'm doing a bit of it, that now at this moment in time because, bless my poor wife, has been unwell for some time, so I'm in that space a bit. Um, however, you can't stay there forever believing you're being resilient. It is about how do you shift into thrive. Um, and playing around with your wheel, um, adding to it, um, making it better is this idea of like... Um, there was an advert from a while ago. There was a project porridge called Ready Breck. Uh, and when the kid took the, uh, ate the Ready Breck, they had an orange glow around them. 
and they would go out into the cold, wet weather, but they had this orange glow. <laughs> and it's like, let's get your orange glow of your resilience, <laughs> resilience armour around you. And you can just face into life with a very different view of it and with a different skill set. Yeah. And and you said that attitudes, the first one was at the heart. Like, what are we talking about with attitudes? Do, what do I need to work on or what am yeah, I aiming so if you for? imagine two sides of a scale, so really simply, you can sort of have the attitude, the underlying settled way of thinking about life, your your beliefs about life. One side of the scale is, well, you know, life just happens to me and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, on the other side of the scale is I am complete mistress master of my own destiny and literally everything that happens to me in my life is down to me and you know it's where's your attitude most of the time around this it's your settled way of thinking and feeling about actually can i face into uh, life in a way that um is useful helpful worthwhile to me and how much do i believe that what happens to me actually i can face into i can deal with okay that makes sense. Thank you. And and the confidence as well. I mean, I think I, in the past, I've sometimes thought, oh, people are born with confidence and I'm at a disadvantage in some areas. But I'm guessing you're going to tell me that, no, that is something we can work on. And, and so where does the confidence come from? Yeah. So there's there's five ways that you can build confidence, you know. So there's some uh, work from a chap called Albert Bandura. Um, started some time ago and he and he passed in the last couple of years um in his 90s um so he was a canadian american psychologist and he put four aspects of confidence and a chap called james maddox came along later and added one to it which i think is where we should start so there's five ways in which you build your confidence essentially jen so <laughs> i've got my pen and paper ready this is how you do it yeah yeah this is how you do it so um i, I so james maddox added imaginal experiences and just the way in, in my years of experience of human behavior i think it's sometimes it's good to start here so it's the art of visualizing yourself behaving successfully or effectively okay Oof, i use that in running with my running coaches athletes <laughs> yeah I, Absolutely. Yes, definitely. So it's imagining yourself doing whatever it is that you want to do. And the confidence piece is about in any particular moment, do you believe that you can do something? You know, so if we said to you, um, I appreciate the minute that uh, this might be challenging, but if we suddenly said to you, right, Jen, tomorrow or next week, you're going to run a marathon. It's like in this moment, how much do you believe that mm -hmm. you can do it? That's where the confidence comes from. So imagining yourself doing something that you want to do or doing a speech or doing some crochet or you know uh, cooking a meal that you've never cooked before it's like in that moment do i believe i can do this and then you've got to imagine yourself doing it so start with the imagination piece not everybody can do that different ways brains work um but um think about actually talking to somebody or visualizing or mind map or creating a picture that you've successfully achieved the thing that you want to do then it's a mixture of mastering something so have a go at something practice and reflect on anything well that went anything that went well about it and do it again based upon those reflections then it's uh, you can also observe others doing the thing that you want to do vicarious experiences so you know if i'm watching you do something that i want to do and i have to go ah right if jen can do it oh maybe i can do it you know but it's not you've got to be careful you don't say hmm god well if jen can do it i, I can't hmm 
it's not that you know it's like oh if this person could do it oh maybe oh, right i think i can see myself doing it um then you've got having a chat with somebody uh friend colleague teacher parent coach mentor priest whatever your dog you know <laughs> having a chat with someone um but they are um giving you some really great feedback about what they've seen you do so i often give the example of Somebody comes to me uh, that I've worked with and says, oh, uh, I've got to communicate better, Russell. When I go to meetings, I think I just waffle and I I just, when I do a presentation, I sound ridiculous. And as long as it's true, I need to be able to say to them, well, actually, I've watched you present at meetings and I've found it really good. You've been really specific, really clear, very articulate. When you've been given difficult questions to answer, you've dealt with them really well. So somebody's supporting you and being able to share with you, actually, that you can do the things or you've got transferable skills and then which may often feel like um the big one it's our emotional and physiological state so if we are tired either physically or mentally and somebody says oh come over here and climb this mountain you'll go no thanks you know and if you're feeling really good in that moment you'll go oh right let's give it a go Let's give it a go. So our overall physical mental state. So those five aspects are how you build your confidence, essentially. Um, and I, you know, believe that's what a lot of people, athletes, sports people, they'll be doing that mm. a lot of the time. All of those five things. Yeah. And then it can transfer to other areas of our life, hopefully, as well. Absolutely. It can. can absolutely. Um and so the confidence bit of the wheel is um, heavily linked to the meaning part of the wheel. So the stories that we tell ourselves. So that's about if you're having a go at doing something and somebody says, how's it going? It's being mindful about how you're answering that question. Mm-hmm. So if you if you have been done, I'm obsessed with marathon training. I'm never going to do one. I'm just like, I don't know why it's popped into my head today. I know. Look, I'm injured. I've got osteo. I can't run anymore. Can we not pick it up? Can we not be baking a cake? We absolutely have. Yeah. What's something that you would like to do, Jen? I'm just I'm completely mindful every time I mention it. I'm going, no, she's not working with us. Uh, you know um start a new yeah. life I, i've always i'm terrible at saying that i want to um learn spanish and then never do anything about it maybe we can start with that one <laughs> right okay fantastic yes so totally imagine yourself being a fluent spanish speaker somewhere in spain absolutely and what's happening in the conversation and how are you feeling about it uh then it is it's, it's having some good idea about it's being good with yourself about what some realistic sort of targets and goals that's part of it and then if i came to you and said so how's learning spanish going jen it's you can answer however you want because you might say oh i've had a go you know i I, I had a practice the other day but i sounded awful you know i thought everybody was laughing at me that could be the answer that you give so it's noticing because then you've given yourself the meaning that right now you're terrible at learning spanish Okay, so it's then thinking about actually, is that really true? You know, you have to reflect, pause, reflect, go, is that really true that I'm utterly terrible at it? It's like, no, actually, I managed to have a, I didn't actually manage to converse for a minute or two with a Spanish teacher and we actually made sense of each other. Oh, okay, maybe I'm not as awful as I was. So the meaning element, the storytelling we tell ourselves is really important in the confidence piece because it's all day, every day we get asked, how are you? How's your day? 
how's life going how's the weekend how's this going how's that going you know so it's noticing how you answer the question and because the, the second you answer the question you're um instilling a memory and a belief inside yourself and attitude is at the heart of it our beliefs about whether we can and can't do things so every bit of the wheel is interconnected in some way shape or form and when you were saying that i was thinking back to leaving school where the things that you've talked about on the wheel they didn't really come up that much in my school report it was very much good at this subject not so good at this subject i was like if also like those generalizations that i'm I'm not good at languages or I find languages hard and things. So I just, yeah, I wondered how, how well do we know ourselves when we're looking at our strengths and, 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 and whether we could do better. Maybe we did need a different type of school report so that we're not caught up in these stories a year, 40 years later. I, yeah, I would do. So my wife's uh, a teacher, secondary school, and she's she's awesome. So she does the things that I'm about to talk about. She's sort of done them naturally, as as do you know many thousands of other teachers. And the system, the teaching educational system, doesn't help. So a lot of the time, when I work with people, I literally do ask, "What are your strengths?" And people, most of the time, will go, eh, "I don't know what you're on about." So when you work with me, there is a um, a psychometric called strength scope so cleverer people than i have identified that there are 24 strengths you do a self-assessment you get significant seven and you choose your top three so my top three strengths are collaboration working with others strategic mindedness you know big picture and developing others coaching essentially so those are my top three strengths out of the 24 and there's loads of others there's detail there is uh resilience there's emotional control there's empathy there's compassion so there's loads so work with clients to go do you know what your strengths are and then the bit that quite often you know blows people's minds is that you get a report which says that you you these are your natural strengths and these are some other things that you are not um naturally enjoy doing so they're a small so our brains go to oh i need to improve my small scores and i go no 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 stop stop it's like look at the um scores that you've got that are long okay that energize you that you love doing and do more of those most people go uh but i'm supposed to the things i'm good at i just i forget about that and i work on my weaknesses and you go no no not now, not yet. Stop. It's a completely different way of thinking about it. Like you're really, really good at these things and you love doing them, you enjoy doing them, and you do them to good standard, and that's you at your best. And when you do that, it builds natural confidence and natural resilience. So work with clients to so spend more time doing that. And then we'll start to look at those things that you're not you don't naturally enjoy doing and see actually how you can compensate for that in different times. Either ask other people to do it. Don't bother doing it yourself. Um, play around with your strengths profile. We'll talk about dialing up and dialing down and uh, and also or developing some habits. So if there's something that you have to do is not a natural strength, then you develop some habits about what you do in those moments. Um, Are we and it's talking very... about me doing my accounts now? <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is it. I love Absolutely. being self-employed and I love what I do, but I really, it can't all be perfect is how I justify me you know procrastinating about my accounts till january every year 
Yeah, we do. So uh, there's a strength and skills grid that we play around with as well. Like these are the things that you love doing and you're good at. And and I often do it with business owners to go. Let's look at everything that you're doing, and we plot them on this grid. And it's they they look at the things that they might be good at, but they don't enjoy. And there are things that they're neither good at nor enjoy. And you go in terms of running your business, where's all these things? And so they have to understand that you can't shift things that you don't naturally enjoy doing into suddenly naturally enjoying them. You can't. So it's like, right, either give them to somebody else, develop a habit, or put some strategies in place around what you do in these instances. So, yeah, for me, that would be a very different school report, you know, because mm-hmm. you put lots of effort into things because you love doing them. And it it's the classic of, like, my dad's fantastic, uh, brilliant, but as a teenager, school report, you know, decent grades. Can't remember whatever, but let's pretend I got like B's, B's in sort of human biology and music and history, and I was getting E's and F's in you know physics and chemistry. And my dad went, "Oh, tell us about you know human biology." And went, oh, "Yeah, love it, brilliant. Oh, you know, I really enjoy going to the lessons, and yeah, you know, I have a good chat with the teacher, and you know, it's it's great, it's really good." And then tell us about physics. It's like, oh, oh, uh. The teacher and I look at each other and it's all a bit painful and we know that I'm just not enjoying it and I don't get it. And my dad goes, right, you've nailed human biology. So what we're going to do in the summer is we're going to send you to physics camp, son. Mm. And I go, why do you hate me? <laughs> so, it's like, Yeah, it's, it's the, it, I don't know. Like, it, it's just the system we have, isn't it? That we're expecting everybody to be good at or as good as they can at everything. And that's just, people don't fit in that box. So it came up on a um, interview in a few episodes ago with Ruth Cudsey, who used to be a school teacher mm. and now is a coach. And she said the same. Why are we forcing people to spend so much time doing stuff they don't like? I know. This is it. This is it. So so it's this term of good enough. So I talk to a lot of people about, um, in some things, you can only ever be good enough. That's where sometimes the interesting conversations are between line manager and individual, because they might have two very different versions of what good enough is. You know, the line manager says, well, my version of good enough is this. And the individual that they've delegated it to who hates doing it and isn't very good at it, going, well, my version of good enough is 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 over here. <laughs> and there's a gap. So that's where they have to just have a um, a better conversation about where can we get some consensus of good enough that we can both be okay with. Mm. I think it feels really nice that we can do more of what we enjoy and not see resilience as the suffering and the putting up with what we don't like. No, totally. Uh, That's where I and many others are at, really trying to just combat this idea of like, oh, it's all this, you know, we're in a big, horrible VUCA world and we've just got to suck it up. Okay, that's not where I'm coming from. And many others are. So this is why it's the spring forward with learning. So uh, so what's the VUCA? You've mentioned this a few times and it's an acronym, V-U-C-A. But tell me more. I've not, I've not come across this before. Yeah. So it's for me, it's a better way of starting a conversation around change. So we quite often say change is constant and people just nod and roll their <laughs> eyes and things like that. You know, that's exactly what uh, I did. <laughs> so and which is true and it's a better way for helping people to um wrap their head around that so it's been around since the 19 it's been around longer but it got brought into the business world in the 1990s um 
And so the world we live in is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Okay. And to face into it, you need vision, understanding, clarity, and agility. So, yeah, eight buzzwords to start with. <laughs> you know? Demystify this for us, because I'm yeah, like, yeah, the first yeah, bit yeah, sounded yeah. scary. <laughs> well, this is this is it. It's like you're not trying to say, look, volatile, complex, ambiguous, <laughs> all uncertain, and just go, there you go, deal with it. It's like, <laughs> it's like right, so the vision piece is 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 foresight it's uh, literally looking looking up over the parapet using your eyes to look around you situational awareness around what's all the things that could come along and bite me on the backside you know so it's not head in the sand it's looking up and out being open and curious and being open to uh, what you need to do the understanding piece is all about uh, emotional intelligence so you have to understand how you can feel comfortable feeling uncomfortable that's one of the things that we say to people of like, how can you be okay with sometimes in life you go, oh, it's a bit oh, scary this. And you go, yeah. And how do you get yourself into a place where you're all right with that? Clarity is to start with. Sometimes it is the acknowledgement that you've got none. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like, okay. we have to understand that in this moment, there is no clarity. <laughs> okay. Um, but then it's a case of, just considering how much could we get how much clarity could we get it's not about nailing everything down it's just how could we get enough clarity and then the agile piece heavily linked to resilience so on the resilience wheel the word adaptability is there and that's openness to change but it's not necessarily doing the change so there's some good research that shows that those people that work upon their adaptability a third of the time they help themselves get into thrive, okay, rather than coping and surviving. So it's like everybody's listening now. It's like, what's your personal development plan around being adaptable, open and curious about doing new things? Mm -hmm. So it could be just literally, you know, spending a bit more time with somebody whose opinions you know that you wildly disagree with. That's an option. It's And just literally sitting there going, totally disagree with everything, but let me just sit here for a bit longer and let it wash over me. Or it might be the fact that you always do your same route to work. So change that. Or you've got a favorite mug. Spend one afternoon not using it. It's just openness, curiosity about doing things differently, trying something new. And that really um, will make a difference, do you think, those those little things? Well, when you then pause and reflect mm -hmm. on what went well about that and what you learnt, yes, mm. it will, essentially. <laughs> Uh, what did you like about it? What did you not like about it? How did you enable yourself to um, do the new thing? What was it that, you know, even though it was difficult or challenging, uh, what enabled you to keep going with it? So you've got to see the value and benefit in it. And then working upon your adaptability helps you with agile. So agile is that you are uh, really good at making a quick decision about doing a change. So the adaptability is I'm open to change and agile is I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it quickly. You know, <laughs> that's the nuance between the two. So, so my, avo my avoidance technique of just putting off decisions so long that then they're out of my hands. That's probably not what you mean there. <laughs> I'm, no, wor I'm working no. on it. I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. So um, resilient people get much better at making quality decisions. 
so you know it's like how will your life be better jen when you choose you know <laughs> just choose make, something is what i need when you, to do yeah yeah make quality decisions <laughs> you know that that's the that's absolutely it so we do throw a lot of words around of like you need to be resilient you need to be agile you need to be flexible you need to be adaptable and most people are going what what do you want me to do? <laughs> it's too much. Can I not just sit on the sofa watching Netflix for Yeah, 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 exactly. So the, why, why this is really useful, the adaptable with the specifically the VUCA piece, is because volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, there's something that's just going to be happening all of the time somewhere that could impact you. So you use your foresight to just be scanning, and then it's like I'm open to saying, so it's like whitewater rafting, mm. essentially, you are um you know in the boat you're going with the flow it's volatile but you're going with the flow and then you've noticed that there's something ahead where you need to go i've been open to change but i've not how to do it there's something ahead means i've now got to quickly stick my oar in the water and i'm i'm good with it i'm cool with it i'm ready for it i'm happy to do it that's a really nice analogy because well because i like being on a river as well but i guess you do have those periods where it's a little bit calmer where you can just kind of catch your breath and i suppose in oh yeah <laughs> in those times i'm not in one now but in those times what are the things that we can be working on then is that the opening ourselves to new experiences like you just mentioned or yeah so the, so the calmer times so you, you sort of so this is where if you you have to take some ownership and command of how you're going to do this. I use the word command instead of control on purpose. Uh, and come back to in a second. Message. So you do need to make a, a choice, some ownership of, I can't wait for the calm bits uh, before I start to recover. Because in the VUCA world, there is this real risk that you're literally just going to go from one crisis to another. And you'll never do the recovery. So that's why I say sort of like, even when it's full on in life and work, you also have to make the choice whilst it's full on to pause, find your own calm bit, you know, and that's when you either are going to, that's when you understand what are all the things that I need to do that help me recover and re-energize and recuperate. Is it in the whole wellbeing space of going for walks or or is it chatting to a coach or, or is it the fact that actually I've got a hobby and I, I will go do my hobby, even though there's still around me and there's lots of emails and people are demanding my time and go, yeah, but I've booked in hobby recuperation time and I'm going to do that because that helps me then face into uh, the chaos. Mm. essentially. So, yeah, if, if you sort of say, I'll just wait for the calm bit before I do it, there's a real mm, no, don't do that. There's a risk. <laughs> it's really good to hear. I think, you know, when I was a lawyer for 14 years, I used to start every sentence with, well, when I'm on top of my work and then all these things yeah. that I was going to do and, and yeah. spoiler alert, I never got there. <laughs> no, no. And it's the fact that if you do hear yourself or members of your team, even at work, so saying the sentences of like, when things get back to normal. Yeah. I, I'm still saying when life calms down a bit, which I, d I don't know when that is. <laughs> well, you've just, you've just shared off here something you're going to do. Your life is not going to go calm, is it? <laughs> then, you know, there's a possibility of something new is going to have to happen. Yes. You, yes. you mentioned the word control or, or that you hadn't mentioned the word control. Yeah. And I was just thinking when we were talking about those attitudes of 
am I is life happening to me or am I the master of it and I think for me if I go too far that I'm the master then I feel like I am in control of everything and then I'm blindsided when things happen that I can't control so I just wondered where does control fit in and what and why did you not pick it as a word to use before so for all of those reasons you're outlined, there's, there's, sometimes there's a risk that if we're trying to control things, we're we're going to get into a real pickle. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, so if as part of attitude, if people listening now, so if there's any people that are control freaks right now, <laughs> this is going to be really hard. I'm a for. recovering one, I say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's about the route to feeling in control. So if you start with, I, I, you know, um, I want to be in command of my life. So when you're in command of it, um, there still could be a lot of craziness going on because it's the VUCA world. There could be lots of you could be juggling lots of plates. But I, I ask a lot of my clients, and do you feel in command of things that are going on? Have you got a handle on them? When when they you know answer that to sort of say, yeah, actually, I'd like to feel I'd like to be more in control, but I know that I can't. So it's yet another way of looking at actually accept the things that you can control and the the ones that you can't with good grace and you just have to let those be. So you just feel if you've got a handle of what's going on. Can you see most things uh, are are enough things in a good enough place for you to go, actually, I just have to let some things go with the flow. And then in the VUCA world, it's about the choice about when you step into a situation and focus your attention on it and do something with it. And when you step away again, that's because you're going to have lots of could be juggling lots of plates and you just sort of go, yeah, I'm going to leave those alone for a while. I'm just going to um, step in and just do a bit of focus on this part of life and work. Just make sure it's in a decent place. And then I'll just take a step back and go, which one needs to have a little look at next. And you're doing that. It, feeling in control because you're you're trying you're aiming for command okay i'm aiming for command not yeah not control yeah, yeah absolutely yes <laughs> i like if, that. when you when you're in command then you will i clients tell me they then feel more in control mm. and when they, but if they are aiming for control that's when they get themselves in a the pickle mm. and just thinking back to the wheel and us working on these things I'm guessing it's not as simple as we just keep working and we just get more resilient I mean there's certainly times where I feel resilient one day and then the next day totally <laughs> flawed by you know, my van failing at MOT or something that, that I would have brushed off before I suppose some of that does that go back to when we were talking um, about you were, when we were talking about those attitudes and things and, and how rested and um, emotionally and physically we are, or is there other things at play when we, when, it, when resilience can fluctuate? Yeah, totally. It's, it's keeping going back to our own self-awareness of like the volume of things that are going on for us. So in relation to the changes constant, it's enabling ourselves to be aware that we'll be on multiple change curves and we'll be on multiple different places on multiple change curves. <laughs> Feel my nervous system rise. Okay, okay. I can, I can. <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths. I was breaths. just watching your facial expression <laughs> as I said that, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, say that again, so, Russell. <laughs> so we're still, we're still with, we're still aiming to be in command. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, and it is recognising and understanding that we will be on multiple change curves. 
<laughs> yeah, well, there's not ever, ever any singular one change happening in our life. There's multiple. Mm. And it will be in uh, multiple different places on all of those different change curves. So it's our self-awareness of what that is for us. And we'll be okay with some of them. And we'll be not okay with some of them. So the point comes when you might suddenly go, oh, I've just gone down to tie my shoelace and my shoelace has snapped. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for mm. me. I've literally am now jibbing a wreck on the floor where actually I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with like in multi-million pound projects and this is going on my life. And it's like, it's a snap shoelace that did it for me. It, it's because, yeah, that was a straw that broke the camel's back because you weren't necessarily aware enough about how many different change curves you're on and where you were. And so if you're in many change curves in a place that you don't like, then you're at tipping point. Ah, you mentioned about that in, I think, in relation to your course that you were going to give us a greater understanding of tipping point. Uh, yeah, I just wondered, is that exactly what we've described? That, that's exactly what we've described. So it's like stretch and strain, mm. you know, and snap. It, that, that's exactly it. So when you, uh, hopefully people are getting this idea of like, you know, what's the value and benefit to me of being more resilient? It's like, ah, so I'll have fewer instances where I might snap. I have a much greater awareness of um, what being in command means for me. Uh, predominantly, I'll be much better at making decisions. Overall, my physical and mental physiological state is going to be pretty good. These are all the values and benefits of working upon your resilience wheel. And my view of like um, the multiple change curves I'm on, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm good with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, those are all the different values and benefits. So doing that, then you understand what your tipping point is. So if you're if you are emotionally physiologically broken, you're at stretching point. Mm. So it is down to the individual to unpick for themselves essentially what's my tipping point, or you know, in all the questions that I've asked today. Uh, that are rhetorical but they're real go away and never play around with them it's like you know how close to your tipping points do you feel that you are is a is another question for everybody that's listening um and actually what might tip you over the edge have, have you got any idea what the next thing might be you know to tip themselves over the edge um and then working upon the wheel is our total view of um how we view change how we view life it will get better. It will improve. Our attitude to life will improve. And that's actually being resilient. So those things that we used to think were a problem for us, we may no longer think they're a problem for us. How does can being optimistic about the future fit in? Is that something that we can develop? Does that come into the confidence maybe? I'm love yes. So I was about to mention it if you didn't. So I talk about optimism a lot. And so yes, optimism is massive. Positivity is really good as well. So this is one of these slight nuances between if you want to get to control, you have to do it via command. If you want to get to positive, you need to do it via optimism. Okay. So if you look up the dictionary definition of optimism, it does use the word positive to describe it. So they are very heavily interlinked. And if you think about optimism, optimism this way, so it starts with grounded in reality. Okay, so we have to have good self-reflective or conversations with friends around if this is a challenging situation, if this is difficult, we have to be real about what the challenges are. There's no burying our head in the sands. And then it's about accepting with good grace the challenge. 
It's not about uh, grounded in reality to depress ourselves. That's not the intention. It's like, accept with good grace. Actually, this project we're working on is really horrible. <laughs> I guess it's like the other side of burying your head in your sand is that real fake positivity that we're only going to have positive thoughts yeah, as well, which I think I've been fed a little bit over the years on social media. And, and I guess that's, that's an issue as well. That's not reality. No, it, toxic positivity is something that I'm not a fan of, which is... <laughs> It's like, it's all gone to hell in a can cart. Let's just be positive. And I'm like, that drives me mad. So grounded in reality. And then the next thing you do is you start thinking, right, what are my strengths? What are my experiences? What's my skill set? What's my behaviors? What's my attitude uh, that I've got? The experiences, the behaviors, the mindset, the levels of resilience I've got. And I'll say it again, my strengths that I've got to face into this challenge. And what are the ones that the people around me have got that could help me with this? And actually, let's look at all of the individual and collective strengths, skills, capabilities, attitude, behaviours. And from that, you are then hopefully going to get feelings of hope. To go, ah, ah, right, actually, this is the size of the problem, but this is what I've got. Do you know what? I'm feeling hopeful that we can genuinely face into this. And when you get the feeling of hope, you then get feelings of positivity. So the route to positivity for me is to start with, you know, really break it down with right ground in reality. This is like probably the slightly, you know, unpleasant can sometimes be the tough conversation to go. Let's be real. What's the size of the problem? You know, mm-hmm. what's actually going on? But how, you know, talk about it in a way that with good sense and good grace and go right. And everything we've got, all the experiences. Have we dealt with this before? What's the strengths I can bring to bear on this? What can somebody else bring to bear on this? And you go, right, I, and yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling hopeful that we'll face into it. I really like how you bring in other people's strengths and that collaborative mm. effort, because I think I've often felt that resilience is something as individuals, we need everything all at once. And it's almost a weakness to have to rely or ask for help from others. But you're definitely saying that that's not the only way to be resilient we can be resilient together I totally well because one of the specific dimensions of being resilient is your support network and it's mm. one of the seven so you know have a great support network which is a real balance of not just people that blow smoke up your backside and tell you that you're amazing <laughs> okay they also have some people that will it that you accept that you uh don't mind or slash enjoy <laughs> You know, I'll tell you some home truths, you know, but you, you're happy to go see them and talk to them. They're part of your support network and go, I think I need one of those conversations of like, uh, I need to have a word myself or give me a head a wobble and just, <laughs> just tell me, you know, am I being an idiot? You know, those types of things. And I guess we have to be that person for somebody else as well, if we, we want to help others yeah. become resilient. <laughs> but then the thing with the support network is just it, the, the original intention behind it is the people that you have in your life, inside life and work, what's your balance of the time that you spend with people about those that energize you and those that drain you? Mm. That, that's the thing around. So be kind when you do this. But if you're spending all your time with people that drain you and the people that really energize you, you're not spending a lot of time with, then you need to do something around the balance of your support network and shift mm. it. But yeah. by being resilient, you can't. Yes, the heart of it is your own personal attitude and you need support from others to get there. 
And you mentioned earlier, I've written down like dialing up and dialing down. I wasn't sure if we'd covered that or if that was another element you wanted to talk about. So that comes with a strengths piece. Mm. I I did mention it a tiny bit. So when you understand what your strengths are, the things that you love doing, you can do a strength too much. Okay. Sometimes you have to dial that down. And then actually you might have a a strength that you... um, is not quite as strong as some of the others. So sometimes you need to tap into that and access that. In the terminology, they're known as a bubbling under strength, you know. Um, and so I did mention it a little bit around those things that you don't naturally enjoy doing. That's when you might have to tap into a strength to to sort of help you in that moment, you know, or dial one down or dial one up. So um, I love collaboration. So doing a strength too much. So I used to be a chair of governors of a school, which was brilliant. And and I always ask the question for feedback about how am I doing as the chair? And one time when people realised I was open to feedback, somebody said, well, Russell, we don't have to always have to do everything together. <laughs> and I was like, ah. So I love collaboration. but And literally anything that came into the meeting, I was like, well, let's work upon this. How are we going to do this together? And then they said, you are the leader. Sometimes you're just supposed to just tell us to go do this and we'll go do it. Like, right, brilliant feedback. <laughs> So you can do a strength too much. Okay, that makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> so dial it down is what I needed to do in those meetings. And that goes back to collaboration and working on everybody's strengths as well, doesn't it? Um, this is it. I'm, we're all in a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress, totally. And are you happy with that? Because I do feel like, I mean, there's so much that I can take away from our conversation. And there's a little bit that leaves me a bit overwhelmed that I have all this personal work to do and it'll never end. And and how happy are you that we have that, that we can forever learn? Or are there times where we just really could pause, reflect and just give ourselves credit for, for what we do do? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, really good. So one of the things I often say at the start, so I can say it now, is my intention when I talk about all these things, and I'm enthusiastic, is I'm not trying to add to anybody's task list. (laughs) Okay, so brilliant. Thank you for saying that. So yes, absolutely, definitely. Our pausing is literally pausing and, you know, staring at the wall and dribbling at times. That's literally all we need to do. Yes, absolutely. Um, But making the choices about what you're going to do about your personal development and my intention is not to add to a task list so then it's a case of like well what it's about replacement idea if you choose to go away from here and work upon an aspect of your wheel that's got to be instead of something else on your task list so if you've already got 100 things on your task list my intention is not to add 150 (laughs) work on adaptability work on (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But, so, yeah, one of my takeaways is we can work on these by doing stuff we enjoy. So that's I, it. I'm on board for that. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, everybody's listening now. It's, yes, it's, it's not meant to overwhelm you. Uh, I think this probably it. comes back to my personality type rather than everybody. <laughs> yeah. So when you choose to do something around your wheel. And I say to people, you know, I used to say, print it off and stick it on the fridge, the wheel, but I'm mindful <laughs> of the planet. So uh, now it's like, have a soft copy and, <laughs> and, and look at it. And so you've um, been working on this for, well, whether it's all of 18 years, but a long time. Like, are there still things that you learn about yourself that you can still work on? You haven't got actually. it? Okay. Oh, God, all of the time, all of the time. <laughs> and uh, and um, I don't know what they are yet. I did intimate this. So there's just 
personal life experience there's something that's really horrible and tricky that's happening at the minute and i'm in the midst of um what traps have you fallen into russell what what um what didn't you do around Mm. the resilience piece so um there'll be a point coming up when i'll be able to do some reflections and go i've got some additional learnings uh as a result um of all of this but uh, and currently i'm in the midst of it so i'm not ready yet uh i haven't got the headspace at the minute uh, to be able to do that. So we're going back to that VUCA world where things are going to happen. So the goal isn't to be this wonderful, resilient person floating through life, which I think I thought was the goal at the at the start. It's just to give ourselves the best possible chance when things do totally. happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, completely. Best possible chance when these things are going to come along and um, happen, essentially. Oh, thank you so much, Russell. It's been fascinating. I feel like I need to go away and write myself a glossary for all the new terms that you've introduced. Yes, but not a problem in the slightest. And as long as it's okay, if you go on the website, I have done a podcast. So there's an episode on each element of the wheel. So, and which is that your personal website? That yeah, we can yeah, go it's to just and find that. Yeah, absolutely. So you go on the website; it's just on the homepage. It's it's just there, essentially. And how do people follow you and find that website? What name is that? So yeah, so funny enough, it is theresiliencecoach.co.uk. So Whoa. I've got the uh, yes, I've got the domain name. So you know, you'll find us on LinkedIn and uh, Twitter. Twitter is uh, at the Res Coach. Unfortunately, somebody else has got the Resilience Coach on you know or is it x now i don't know uh, i don't know what we're yes. calling that yes um so yeah the resilience coach you put that in and i'll come up fantastic oh thank you so much for sharing everything it's absolutely flown by russell but some really useful tips and things to take forward and i love your definition of resilience that we're just springing forward with learning that's it that's all we're doing great that's all we're doing <laughs> but it never <laughs> ends <laughs> Well, but that's uh, but good. That's good. It. It's positive. We can always learn new yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's just your choice when you do something with it. It's your choice, essentially. But yeah, it's got to be fun. It's got to be enjoyable. Working upon it is you've got to find a way to make it engaging and interesting and enjoyable. I'm off to book some whitewater rafting. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.